as well. So Emily's going to come and share God's word with us tonight. Would you welcome Emily as she comes? Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Ben. Thank you, church. Feel free to take your seats. Um, I am so excited to be sharing with you tonight. Um, if you've been joining us recently in our PMs, we've been talking on the topic of worship. Um, so I get to continue on with that topic tonight. And we're going to be talking on the gift of worship. Um, so why don't we pray first before we get into it? God, I thank you so much for tonight, God. And I just pray as we open your word that your Holy Spirit would just be present, that you'd be able to speak to our hearts, God, that we would be able to learn something, be able to take away something and apply it to our lives. I thank you, God, that you are worthy to be praised, that you are worthy to be worshipped. And I pray that we would reflect that in not just our song, but in our, the way that we live our lives and our actions that we take. And we thank you for the gift that it is um, to worship you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woohoo. So, when we talk about worship, I don't know about you, but I often um, straight away start categorizing worship. I think, okay, we've got our Sunday worship where we all come together and we sing together, we hear the drums going, um, we raise our hands, and we have that type of worship. Um, I also think of the worship when we serve one another, when we serve um, on team at church or in our workplaces, and we love one another and we serve one another that way. That's another form of worship. Um, another thing I might think of is, you know, when I have my devotional time and I worship God or I pray and I fast and I read the word, etc. And I, I start to categorize worship. Does anyone relate to what I've just said? Yeah, we think of different pockets of how we can worship. Well, tonight when I am talking about worship, I would love for you to kind of bring all those things together um, and think of worship as a lifestyle, as something that we live out in our everyday life and it encapsulates all those things that you may categorize. Is that cool? So that's kind of how we're going to look at worship tonight. So, in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, in, um, will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So tonight, we're talking about a worship where we are living sacrifices. And the amazing aspects that may come with that lifestyle, the amazing gifts that God gives us um, when it comes with that lifestyle. So tonight I'm going to talk about five gifts. Um, wave a five at me. We're going to talk about five, okay? Um, but I want to say this, and I want to be clear. There are many more. There are so many gifts um, when it comes with a lifestyle of living um, a life of worship. But I, I came up with these five gifts because I know that they ring true in my world, and they probably do in your world as well. 
But I do want to say that there are so many more for us to discover outside of these five. So I encourage you, keep asking, asking God, hey, what is the next gift? What is um, something else that I can discover when I worship you? Um, And the beauty is that God is a really good gift giver. You know those people who are really good at giving gifts and they like know you super well, they put so much thought into it um, and, and when they give a gift, you're like, wow, like you really know me, you really see what I'm into, what I like, what I don't like. Um, I'm not that person, so I can't relate. I'm a terrible gift giver. I really try, <laughs> but I'm not very good at it. But I love those people who are. And I think God is like that. You know, he knows us so well um, that he's able to see the most inner parts of us and who we are, um, that when it comes to the gifts that come with worship, um, they can be quite individual. They can be quite personal. Um, and that is wonderful. Um, so just to reiterate this, this, I just wanted to look at Luke 12, verse 7, and it says, Indeed, the very hairs on your heads are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You know, God knows the number of hairs on our heads, which is crazy because it changes every day. But he knows, and he knows the things that are changing in you and, and who you are yesterday and today um, and who you're going to become, which is cool. So, the first gift. Here we go. Are you ready? The first gift I want to talk about tonight is the gift of availability. God is available. I'm going to say that again. God is available. Do you ever try, um, do you have that friend who like never responds to a phone call (laughs) or like takes three weeks to respond to your text messages? (laughs) <laughs> I think we all know that person. Um, don't look at them. Um, but I, I used to be that person. Um, <laughs> confession. Um, but I've, like, worked hard to not be that person. But I just want to say that God is not that person. He is not ignoring you. He is not some distant being. He is open and available. A few years ago, um, I had the privilege of uh, going to Israel on a study trip. And I remember going to, um, in Jerusalem, we went to the Western Wall, which is um, in other terms called the Wailing Wall. And it's where Jews will go because they, it's, it's pretty much the most holy place for them to go, to be close to God. Because on the other side of that wall, there once was the Holy of Holies. And so for them... That represented God's presence on earth. God's presence was in that holy of holies behind that wall. So the Jews go to this place in order to get as close as they can to God's presence. And I remember going there with a small group. It was nighttime. um, And just being amazed. Like it was like 11 o'clock at night. And there was hundreds of people there. And I remember, like, going into the ladies' section because it's separated and the ladies' section's, like, this big and the men's section's, like, this big. Um, But I remember going there and I remember just seeing the desperation in people. Um, People, um, you know, just crying and and, um, and honestly wailing. That's how it gets its name, you know, just... um, Seeking God's presence, just wanting to be near God, wanting to feel God. 
And I remember being there and, and getting emotional. Well, here we go. Um, <laughs> I remember being there and being like, wow, like, these people are hungry for God. And I remember being brokenhearted, like, you know, I know a God who is so readily available to me. I can't imagine what that would feel like. And I remember my heart breaking for these people. And I remember thinking, God, am I that hungry for you? <laughs> you know, the, yeah, am I really that hungry? And I know that you're here with me right now. I know you're not on the other side of that wall. Yeah, am I actually that hungry for you? And it really tested me. It really pushed me. And, and it made me think, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, we know that that barrier was broken, that the veil was torn literally, um, and that the Holy of Holies, this place, um, burst open and God's presence was no longer contained, but it's free and available to all of us. You know, in Matthew 27 verse 51, it says... And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. In Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 20, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. In John 2, verses 19 to 22, it says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. No longer is our God's presence confined to the most holy of holies, because um, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose it again, that barrier burst open, and we have free availability to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, but are we hungry for it? That's what I want to know. And do we live in that? Do we live in that place of worship where we are constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that we have the power within us of God um, to live a life of abundance, of healing, of um, goodness and kindness? Um, are we desperate for it? And how often do we do things in our own capacity? How often do we um, grasp to our own ideas and our own giftings and talents and our own struggles and we battle it ourselves? But we know a God that is present and available, yet we don't access him. Are we banging our heads on the wall, <laughs> waiting for a distant God, but not knowing that he's standing right next to us, waiting for us to turn around? The next gift, the gift of vulnerability. Here we go. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. It's a story from the Old Testament, and it's from the book of 2 Samuel. Now, stay with me. So the Ark of the Covenant, similar like the Holy of Holies, was built as a symbol of God's presence and glory. But it had been lost 
it'd been forgotten for nearly 17 years. But a guy, 70 years, sorry. But a guy called King David, who maybe many of us may have heard of, he sought to restore the ark to the city of Jerusalem so that all of Israel could worship the Lord in one place. It was one of his biggest dreams, one of his biggest passions to have the Lord's people, to have them worship together um, and to remember the covenant that they had with God. And it seemed that every obstacle possible was set in the way of completing this dream, of getting God's presence back with them in Jerusalem. But finally, the day had arrived and after long months and struggles, the ark had finally arrived in Jerusalem. And David, in great excitement and in thanks and praise to the Lord, he leaped and he danced. And he didn't care that he looked ridiculous. You know, his main concern was to show thanks and worship um, to a great God who had blessed him and his people and had kept covenant with them. But remember that this guy was the king of all of Israel. And some would even say that this was not behaviour suited for a king, that he was ridiculous, he was undignified um, and wearing improper clothing, a cloth even, and he danced but he did not care. (laughs) And some versions say he was half naked, um, that he was wearing undergarments and there is controversy over what the actual outfit was, but we do know that it was undignified, that it was inappropriate attire. And I've always found this story really strange. (laughs) I don't know about you. I've kind of thought it's a bit unbecoming of David um, going for it. But upon (laughs) revisiting this story, I started thinking of Adam and Eve. And how before they had eaten the fruit, they had such a beautiful relationship with God. They had this beautiful um, union with him. um, But... When they sinned and they ate the fruit, they all of a sudden felt this shame. A shame that told them they were naked, that they should hide from a God who they had just been in this perfect commune with. And it made me think how beautiful this freedom that King David had and how it kind of parallels with what the freedom that Adam and Eve had before God, before they sinned. Um, I'm not saying that clothes should come off, but what I am saying, (laughs) what I am saying is that there was just a exposure they had to God, that it was beneath the skin. It was a spiritual thing. It was an emotional, a mental thing where they were able to be fully naked in front of God. They were able to be fully vulnerable before God. And it looked weird. It looked um, not proper. But they still were able to approach God because they knew that they had the gift of vulnerability with him. That we can come fully as ourselves, broken, afraid, ashamed, and know that there is freedom in God's presence. Um, There is absolute freedom in being with him and that we have access to that gift, that we can worship without limits, without reserve, without planning, without withdrawal, without being self-conscious, without the fear of rejection, and without shame without hiding things under the rug 
thinking you're going to deal with it later. The absolute joy that God has when he receives us with his love, his compassion and his forgiveness. What a gift. The next gift is the gift of breakthrough. Now, we're going to talk about Paul and Silas, and I love this story. You know, these guys were shackled in a prison for healing a girl from an evil spirit. Um, And it's midnight, they're probably cold, they're probably frustrated, probably scared. But instead of being all doom and gloom, like probably many of us would be, at midnight, they start to lift up their voices and in worship and prayer to God in this um, terrible situation, um, in this hopeless moment. They're worshipping God and they're thanking him. In Acts 16, verse 26 to 34, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the floors immediately, all the doors, (laughs) immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Here's a thought. When you lift up your voice in worship, you don't know who is listening and whose chains are falling off when you lift your voice. We know that in this life, we are all going to face trouble. So when you are in your dark prison cell at midnight, what is your response? Is it worship and praise? That's a challenge, hey. This story shows us that God is a miracle worker, that God can break chains, literally and in so many other ways as well. Um, And that his hand is in our situation and active in every challenge that we have. Not only that, but sometimes our breakthrough provides a way for us to witness the goodness of God to others. I love the rest of this story as it goes in um, verse 27. It says, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword ready to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called um, for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. How about we be people who um, pray for opportunity that when breakthrough does come in our lives, it becomes a catalyst for somebody else's testimony. How about we pray into that? Because we're going to face trouble. It may as well be used for something good. (laughs) Um, How cool is this story? Like, 
not only did they give their lives to Jesus and give their lives to follow God, but here they are, they're cleaning their wounds, they're feeding them, they're already serving um, and looking after these jailers. Um, what a transformation in their life. Um, and this was a catalyst. Worship was a catalyst for not just their breakthrough, but for the testimony of somebody else. How awesome. What a gift. All right, next gift. You ready? Woohoo. The gift, sorry, that's my <laughs> transition. <laughs> Smooth. Um, <laughs> the gift <laughs> of community. Here we go. So we are created in the image of an awesome, awesome God. Um, a triune God made of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And one big char characteristic of this God that we serve is that God in and of himself is a community. And it's a mutual relationship between these three aspects, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is one in perfect commune with itself. And we, the church, are to reflect this. And therefore, our design, our image, what we're created to be as image-bearing humans is to live a life of worship together. In Psalm 95, verse 1 to 6, it says, Come, let us. How about when there's an us in this, we all say it together. Is that cool? Add a bit of interaction. Here we go. Come, let sing for joy to the Lord. Let shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let come before him with thanksgiving. Extolt him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. I love this part. And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Cool. So through worshipping together, you know, the Bible, it shows us that God is calling us to sing and to clap our hands and to raise our hands together. Um, but it all, God is also asking us to serve one another as well, as a form of worship as well. In John 13, verse 4, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash the feet, uh, wash one another's feet. So in other words, we ought to serve one another and to love one another. This is our worship, to love one another, to serve, to worship together. This is our gift, each other. We are each other's gifts which is pretty cool. All right, you ready for the last one? The gift of creativity. Again, we are created in the image of God. And our God is a creator. He created us. He created you. He created me. He created our beautiful earth. And therefore, we are able to worship through creativity. And God has given us this gift to be able to create, to sing, to play instruments, to dance, to write songs, to write poetry, to paint, to communicate stories, to create narratives, to draw, to take photos. Um, you name it. There's so many ways that we can be creative. Um, 
and to learn and develop new skills, to use our minds, to bring glory and praise to God through those things, to show the world how amazing our God is. Um, And tonight I wanted to share a painting with you because I think um, we often really cling to worship and praise as a form of encountering God. But I do think there's so many ways that we can encounter God. And so I wanted to share this story with you. Um, If you guys want to chuck that, uh, that picture up on the screen. So here is a fun painting. Now, you're probably looking at it and you're thinking, oh, it's super old and looks a bit dated and is that the right sort of painting for this type of church, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I found this painting um, like three years ago when I was studying and I was doing a history assignment and I fumbled upon this image. Um, And I was like, oh, that looks a bit interesting, cool, cool. And I looked into it. And it was painted in the 15th century by a Russian painter, um, Andrei Rublev, um, and it's called The Trinity. And what it is a painting of is the three, the story in Genesis about the three angels who visit Abraham, um, and they have a hospitality moment together. But this painting is called The Holy Trinity. And so it was an embodiment of the spiritual unity, peace and harmony, mutual love of the Trinity. So once again, it's a bit of a controversy. Were those three three angels (laughs) the Trinity? Well, here he is depicted that they were. And the cool thing about this painting when I looked more into it was that there's like a little weird box at the front there. Can you see that? on this table, and what some people believe was that there was a mirror attached to that, which was really odd because they never really did that um, back in the 15th century. But the idea was, was that when you were to look at this painting, you were to see yourself in it. And it was kind of a moment of, when I was reading this, a moment of, ah, God is saying, you can sit with us. You can, all the Mean Girl references here, it's not you can't sit with us, it's you can sit with us. Um, And in my bedroom at two o'clock in the morning, doing a last minute assignment, classic, I remember having an encounter with God looking at this painting. Because in this painting, I saw that God was comfortable in and of himself. That he liked, they all liked each other, obviously, because they're sitting together. But also that God wanted me there. God was available to me. God was welcoming to me and was hospitable to me to join. And it was a moment of of God's presence just giving me a big hug. Do you think this painter thought that, you know, a girl from the 21st century would have an encounter with God through this painting? Probably not. But how cool is that, that through a creative outlet, someone was able to create something that they had obviously had insight from God for, and it had obviously um, connected with a lot of people, um, and other people were able to experience and learn and get to know God through a painting. This is worship. 
This is worship leading. This painter led me to an encounter with God, to worship God, to know that God was embracing me and with me. This is worship, church. So when we are looking at the gift of creativity, I want to challenge you. What is your creative outlet? Because God has given us something to create. And it looks different for all of us. I have a terrible singing voice. (laughs) But when I look at this painting, I encounter God. I want to know what is your creative outlet. And I want to challenge you to maybe ask God. And it doesn't have to be something that is fully shared, but it can be something between you and God. So tonight, as we close, I thought it'd be cool to pray over these five areas. And maybe one in particular has connected with you. And so when we pray over that area, I wonder if you would just put your hand on your heart and think, hey God, I wanna walk away from this message and actually learn something and apply it. Or if you already know this content, which a lot of you probably do, deepen yourself into it. Find something else that that can challenge you and that you can seek another gift from God of His amazing gift for us to live a life of worship. Whatever that looks like for you, because God knows you, hey? And He knows what that looks like for you. These five things might not be it for you, but they're some of it for me. So I challenge you, seek God when you live a life of worship. Because look at these amazing gifts that he's given us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your gift of availability. That you are so available to us. And I pray that we would actually be hungry for you. And that we would know we don't have to try. We don't have to bang our head on the wall, God. But we know that you're right next to us. And I pray that we would embrace your Holy Spirit wholly. And that it would be able to live in us and flow out of us into the life that we live of worshipping you. Through loving and serving others, God. Through sharing your gospel with the world, God. And I thank you, God, for your gift of vulnerability. That we would be like King David. Um, just letting go of the cares and knowing that we are accepted in your arms, God. Knowing that we can be completely um, exposed in all the deeper parts of ourselves to you, God, because you have compassion and you are so ready to love and embrace us in our weakest um, moments. And God, I pray, thank you for the gift of breakthrough. And I just pray right now, anyone who is in that jail cell right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that chains will be broken. And I pray that there will be witnesses who can see your glory and will come to know you in Jesus' name. I thank you so much, God, for what you're doing right now. Breakthrough in the lives of the people in this room, God. I thank you, Jesus, for the gift of community. I thank you that we have each other, God, to encourage one another, build each other up, to pray for one another, to support one another, God. And I just pray that we will continue to passionately come and worship you and lift up our voices together, that we would get a bit crazy together because we know, God, you are a crazy God who is awesome and is ready to meet us. I thank you, God. for the gift of being able to serve one another in community in all the ways that that looks, God, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the gift of creativity. 
And I just pray right now, God, that you'll open hearts right now, um, that ideas will spark, that, God, you will drop different creative outlets into people that maybe they've never tried before. But I pray that they would be open to your spirit to learn and try new things, God, and to create um, whatever that looks like, God. You know them. Um, And I pray that they would seek you in that, that whatever they do, God, in a life of worship would be to glorify you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Awesome. Well, thank you, church, for listening tonight. Um, We are going to continue as a team leads us in worship, so feel free to stand up. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only